in hard times? What does the mature Christian do when tempted to give up? This Christian life is hard. You already know that. And you will go through many things uh, that many people don't expect Christians to go through. Uh, I received a flyer in the mail, supposedly from a Christian group somewhere in Sydney uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the catchphrase throughout the flyer, this colourful brochure, was not me. And the flyer shared stories about people who had experienced problems in their life and, I quote, drawing on inner strength, were able to more or less immediately overcome their problem. Someone was healed of cancer, cured of addiction, someone needed a bigger house and they got a house with seven bedrooms. And the catchphrase, not me, and the stories that were shared, the types of stories, gave me the impression that those who had this inner strength shouldn't face difficulties. Cancer, not me. Abuse, addiction, not me. Financial hardship, not me. There's something really attractive about that, right? Uh, But I think there's also something a little bit unhelpful, at least from the impression that I got. The unhelpful thing is that Christians shouldn't face these things, that God wouldn't use them to test us or to make us the kind of people he wants us to be. Stick around church long enough, at least from my experience, and you'll hear of, if not see yourself, sickness and death, separation and divorce, bullying and abuse, job loss and debt, anxiety and depression, addiction and crime. Not because we promote these things, but because they happen, and Christians are not immune. There is good news, of course, that there is freedom to be found, sometimes from these things, through Jesus and his family. But it doesn't mean that Christians won't face them. It doesn't mean you won't experience them. And so the question is, what does the mature Christian do when these things come along? What's the mature Christian do in hard times when tempted to give up? Hebrews is a sermon, a word of encouragement, written to a small local church who were tempted to give up in hard times. And they were tempted in their hard time not to go to God. They were tempted to give up on their faith. They were tempted to give up on one another when the times got tough, tempted to give up helping one another. And they were tempted to stop hoping um, in a good future. And so they just started giving up on their present circumstances. Uh, And so this word of encouragement has something for those of us who are going through hard times and are tempted to give up. The first thing that this passage today wants to bring to our attention is that the mature Christian in hard times goes confidently to God for help. The mature Christian in hard times goes confidently to God for help. Our first temptation usually in hard times is to go maybe where we've gone in the past or to where everybody else goes in hard times and that is to some, somewhere or something that can dull the pain or can make us feel immediately better. That might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be a relationship, 
It might be a person or just something that makes us feel instantly better or different. And we'll go there, we'll go anywhere else but going to God. The last thing we often do is go to God. Why is that? I think it's for a number of reasons. Sometimes we're embarrassed, we're ashamed of what we've done, or we're ashamed of the hard time we find ourselves in. We're fearful of punishment, or we have a sense of guilt about it. Or perhaps we think we've got to do a hundred things or get to a particular circumstance before God will listen to us. And in the very moments that we should be running to God, often those are the very moments we're running furthest from Him. But it's in those precious moments that we need to remember Jesus, who He is and what He's done for us. Because Jesus will give us the confidence to go to God in times of trouble. Have a look at uh, verses 14 to 16 of chapter 4, that first reading, 1207. There are five things in these two verses written about Jesus that will give you confidence to go to God. Firstly, in verse 14, it says, We have a great high priest. That's something Jesus does. Humans are sinful. And God is holy, and so there's a gap. A priest fills that gap. Because of a priest's holiness, a priest's purity, and a priest's sacrifices, a priest reconciles people to God. And it says Jesus is a great high priest. That's because he's the best, he's the greatest, he's the most excellent high priest. Why? Because in his life and in his sacrifice, he paid for all sins, for all people, for all time. And so he enables us to go to God. There's one reason. I've got four more for your confidence on going to God. Number two, it says he ascended into heaven. That's where he is. Jesus is in heaven. That means he's with God the Father in a full and complete way. He's not stuck here on earth with our distance and our inabilities and our problems, he's with the Father right now. That's where he is. Secondly, thirdly, it says he's the Son of God. That's who he is. He's a son. He's God's son. A son has no problems accessing his Father. A son has pride of place. Thirdly, Jesus is sympathetic. It says there in verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. He may not have experienced every temptation you've experienced. He doesn't have the internet, he doesn't have TV, he didn't have the pokies, but he has been tempted in all the various types of ways that we are, and he, he knows what it's like. Consider this. We give in to temptation. Jesus never gave in to temptation. So he knows what it's like to struggle even more than you do because he's gone further along that path. He's been tempted more than you have ever have. And yet, number five, he did not sin. He may have experienced the same weaknesses and temptations, um, but he did not sin. Why is that good news for us? Because by him living a perfect life, he earned God's attention. He earned God's ear so that you could be given God's ear. 
And he says to the father, because I lived a perfect life, when a child trusts in me, it's as if they've lived a perfect life. And God the Father listens to them. So because of what Jesus does, because of who he is, because of where he is, because of what he's like and what he has done, you can have confidence to go to God in hard times. Go to him. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. The sign of a mature Christian is not that they look at their own life and they think about what their life as a Christian as they go to God. But the sign of a mature Christian is thinking about what Jesus is like and having confidence in him as you go to God. How are you going to do that? You're going to go to God in prayer. Christian, that's what you do when you're going through a hard time. You go to God. Here's the ABCs of prayer. I made this up. I don't know whether it's any good, but hopefully it'll help you. The ABCs of prayer. What do you do in hard times? You go to God. How do you do it? A, you approach him. You just go. Just go to him. Stop only thinking about it and worrying about it and being anxious about it. Take that thought and make it a prayer. Turn off the radio in the car and start praying. Turn off the TV and go into a room. Close the door and pray. Just approach him. Let your heart be moved towards him. A, approach him. B, begin. Just say something. Get something in your head or something out. A word like Jesus or help or God is like a foot in the door. You know, it keeps the opportunity open for prayer. Just say something. Begin and see, confess. Confess that you come to God not based on your own merits, but on Christ's merits. And that's more for you. He already knows that. But just remember, God, because Jesus is my great high priest, because he's in heaven with you, because he's your son, because he understands me and what I'm going through, because he never sinned so that I could be given what he earned, God, I'm coming to you. I'm just confessing that I come to you based on what Christ has done. That'll take 30 seconds, and then you can start praying. ABCs of prayer, just start there. Start with Christ. Mature Christians in hard times, they go to God for help. They go confidently to God for his help, because Jesus is their confidence for that help. If you know Christ, you'll go confidently to God for help. Secondly, mature Christians in hard times continue to help one another. It can be easy in hard times to stop helping one another. Let's turn to chapter 6, verse 10, at the bottom of page 1207. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. We can be tempted to give up on each other because sometimes as we're helping and serving one another, it can become hard. <laughs> That's the truest thing I've said this morning, right? <laughs> it can become hard. Perhaps the situation feels like it's a little bit beyond us and our abilities. Perhaps it's been going for longer than it should or we feel like it should. Perhaps it's become more complicated than we think is reasonable. Why is this person still going through this thing? Maybe our help for them seems pointless. They're not, getting, they're not changing. They're not getting better. We're not seeing fruit in their life. 
Maybe they're unresponsive. Maybe they're ungrateful for the help you've been given them. And perhaps we don't see God's blessing on our lives as we help others. That can be tough. We expect to experience God's strength and we expect to get something out of the situation. Many of us can be tempted to stop treating others like treasure because it becomes tough. Many of us can be tempted to stop treating others like treasure because it becomes tough. But let me tell you, treasure is heavy. Treasure is hard to carry. Treasure can feel like it'll break your back or sink your ship. But, but it is treasure. Every person is treasure to God. And that's the point underneath what the Hebrews preacher is preaching. He's saying loving people is how you show your love to God because God loves people. Loving people is how you show God your love because God loves people. And two things in this text show us that. Firstly, it says, God is not unjust, verse 10. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown. He will not forget your work. There's a sense of reward in that. There's a sense of reward in that. God will reward each of us according to what we have done. It doesn't earn us our salvation. But God will reward us for the things we do to help others. And secondly, we see that helping others is really about loving God. Those who love God and want to show God their love for Him help others. Some translations put it a bit more clearly. They say, He will not forget your work and the love you have shown His name as you've helped the saints. Isn't that a bit strange? The love you've shown His name as you help them. In other words, if you help Joe Bloggs, you're actually loving Jesus Christ. That's exactly how it works. When you love you fill in the gap, you fill in the blank. When you help that person, you're actually loving Jesus. That's how it works. You show God your love for him when you show your love for his people. And that's why Graham Winter would be so proud of me right now when I say, you can't be a Christian, you can't say you love God and have nothing to do with the church. Because the way the Bible says you show your love for God is by helping his people. Perhaps you're tempted to think, well, I'm a part of the church. I'm a part of the whole. The whole's doing a lot of things. They're raising money for kids and youth. They're teaching scripture in schools. They're raising money for a youth event in Chatswood. They give money to mission work. They help different sorts of people. Uh, but I don't really think I need to get my own hands dirty helping other people. Have a look at verse 11. We want each of you to show this same diligence. Each of you. That's all of us. All of us should be helping people in some way, shape or form. Here's a test. Here's a little test for you this morning. Is there somewhere, someone in this community that you know without your little contribution, your help, your encouragement, your support, whatever you do, they wouldn't be where they, they are in their faith or their life? Is there someone... And if there is, that's a really good sign that you are showing God your love for him, that you're in love with God, that you're a mature Christian. A little story. Johnny shared with me um, a story of a friend of his who's also a youth pastor. 
And each week, uh, his boss, whenever he'd catch up with his senior minister, the senior minister would ask him, how are the youth group's going? And the youth minister would always respond, you know, it's going great. There are heaps of kids there. They have lots of fun. We had a really good time. Um, and the senior minister would say in response to the youth pastor, just keep turning up. Just keep turning up. And this would happen week after week after week. The youth pastor would come back. He'd have a growing youth group. It was going great guns. And he'd give this glowing report. And the senior minister would say, just keep turning up. And he thought, this is so strange. You know, surely he should be saying, hey, well done, you know. Something more than just keep turning up. And then the youth pastor had a bad week. You know, nobody turned up or not many people turned up. The kids didn't have much fun. The youth leader didn't have much fun. Things weren't going great. And he went to his senior minister on that Monday morning. The senior minister asked him, how was youth group? And he told him, he said, I'm ready to give up. And the senior minister said, just keep turning up. You know, because that's how that youth that's how that youth pastor was going to be most helpful to the congregation, that community. And that's how he was going to just express his love for God, just by keep on turning up. And our temptation, when it gets hard, when it's not fun, when it's not growing, when it's not fruitful, is to walk out the back door. But the way in which we show our love for his name is to help one another and to continue helping one another. We might find it hard to help others, but if we remember that our motivation is actually when I help others, I'm loving God, when our motivation is being thankful for Jesus and what he's done for us, we'll do it. We'll continue to help others. Thirdly, mature Christians in hard times wait patiently on God's promise of help. Mature Christians in hard times wait patiently on God's promises for help. Verses 12. Verses 12 to 15 of chapter 6. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. The idea here, um, and Chris mentioned it from verses 19 and 20, um, is that God has the reason to have hope for the future, to wait patiently, even though the present doesn't look any good. The reason for that is because our hope is secure. Jesus has secured our hope for us. He's like an anchor. Verse 19, we have this Hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And it says in verse 12 and 13, it says he swore by himself. And I think the greatest and truest way that God swore by himself was by sending his own son into our world. And the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is God swearing by himself, saying that all I have promised for you and your world will come true one day. And you can see proof of it in Jesus. I swear by it by myself. We can have hope in God's future when tempted to give up because Jesus has secured it. 
But the thing that gets me about this text is how we are to wait patiently in the in-between. That hope is secure, the future is bright, it's coming. But we're meant to wait patiently in the present. And we're told to wait patiently like Abraham. Do you know how Abraham waited patiently? Let me remind you of the story. You might, you might already know it, but I'll use my own words. At the beginning of the Bible, God creates the world, and humanity and the world are doing just great. And then Adam and Eve kick a hole in it. And God says to this bloke in Abraham, called Abraham, right at the beginning of the story, he says, you're my guy. He says, you and me, we're going to turn this place around. I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a safe place to live. I'm going to give you my blessing. I'm going to make you into a very great family. Let's call it a great nation. It's going to be that big. And through your family, the whole world will be blessed. That's what's happening here. Pretty big promises. Everything I intended to do in the world will be done through your family, through your offspring. And then that's, that's just the first few chapters of the Bible. And then a few more chapters on, Genesis chapter 22, it says, Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. He says, take your son, take your only son, the one you love, the one you've waited a hundred years for, literally, the one through whom the world's going to be blessed, and murder him. And that's how we'll save the, save the world. And you know what Abraham's response was? Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 22. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. I tell you, for me, if that was me in that situation, I would have pressed the snooze button. I wouldn't have got up that morning, not very quickly. I would have snoozed 10 minutes, then I would have waited another 10, then maybe another 10, and then maybe I would have said, oh, maybe tomorrow. Because this doesn't feel good, this doesn't look right, it doesn't really seem to, you know, God, have you forgotten what you promised? And for those thinking he murders his own son, let me spoil the ending so that you don't think Christianity is crazy. As Abraham lifts the knife, God stays his hand and provides a ram for the sacrifice, and it's all good. But the lesson for us is a mature Christian in hard times when facing the temptation to give up waits patiently for God, not by sitting on their hands, but by continuing to obey God even when it doesn't look good. That's what wait, waiting patiently means. It means we continue to honor God and do God. God's will for our lives, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems contrary to the promise. One of the excuses that I think is the best, but maybe also the worst excuse for not obeying God's will goes something like this. When somebody's going through a tough time and they want to stop obeying God, they say, is this the quality of life, the kind of life God would expect me to live? Because they're going through a hard situation, right? And they think God wants something better for me. And they say, is this really the quality of life God wants for me? Because I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't suit me. It doesn't make the best use of the opportunity in front of me or my gifts or my talents. It's a bit too Christian, a bit too traditional. It's a bit impractical. It doesn't understand the big picture going on. Abraham got up early and he just continued to obey God. A young 
guy in my connect group shared with me just this week how he ended a fairly serious long-term dating relationship with a girl because he, she wasn't a Christian and he knew God didn't want him to be unequally yoked. That's an example of waiting patiently. And it's hard for him. Still years on, he feels the weight of that decision. Where are you at on the end of, you know, there's a scale. Are you really good at making excuses? Or do you trust and obey? Do you listen and follow? What's, what's waiting patiently going to look like for you? What's it need to look like for you at the moment? Maybe it just means not acting impulsively on that temptation. Maybe it means going to God for it, praying about it. Maybe it means thinking about it. You know, would I encourage a friend to do this before I do it? Maybe it's about sharing your temptation with a friend. If you know Christ, if you love him, if you trust him with your future, you can put up with some hard times right now in your life. And you can trust him, whatever he asks you to do, however he asks you to wait patiently. Chris mentioned Ivan Lee and the article in the Southern Cross, and I was going to mention it in my sermon this morning. Uh, He goes to church, obviously, church after church after church, being a bishop. And um, when he's there, instead of being interviewed, he's often asked about his cancer. And he feels like um, something he can do during his time is to encourage those who are going through the valley of cancer, themselves or with a loved one. And he says every, every Sunday he's asked about his cancer and he says, one of the phrases I use uh, is that I know a lot of us are afraid of death. Even as a Christian, it's not something we look forward to. But let me encourage you that I really believe that if I can get through this, you can too, he says. But I love this line. He says, and it's not because I'm such a strong Christian. You know, you think of a bishop, must be such a strong Christian. It's that I put my trust in a strong God. I don't know what is making life hard for you at the moment. But firstly, go to God. Go to God with it. Go confidently Him. Not because of what you're like as a Christian, but because of what Jesus is like as a great high priest. Continue to help others even though it's tough. It's not really about them. It's about Him. He will reward you. And let His love drive you to continue to love them. And thirdly, wait patiently for God's help. Don't expect this life to be easy. It's not easy. This Christian life is not easy. But look to God. Trust in a strong God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, because of Jesus, we can come to you. Because of Jesus, we can continue to help others. And because of Jesus, we can trust Our lives are safe in you. So help us, Lord, to trust in a strong God this morning, whatever we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen.